Good day. Welcome to your favorite place, the trendy place. This is the Trend Podcast with Justin A. Williams, and I, along with my co-host, Tex Ritter, am here to bring you awesome content from all across the spectrum that is meant to inform, excite, and most of all, keep you trendy. If you like a podcast where the unexpected should be expected, then the trend is a podcast for you. We have a great show for you today. Thank you for joining us. We are better where we trend together. Again, just as a disclaimer, the views expressed today do not reflect the views of New York Trend Media, our parent company. Guests are free to speak their minds, unfiltered and uncensored. We are here as a place of dialogue, no more and no less. Okay, good day, good day, good day. How's it going, Tex? Say hi to my co-host. What's going on, cuz? How you doing? It's going great. I don't think most people know that we're cousins. I, I thought that we were keeping that secret. You can't keep any secrets now in 2020. <laughs> no, you can't. Old. No, you can't. So I was wondering, <laughs> what kind of streaming services have you been looking into recently? I mean, I, I don't know, bro. I It's it's rare I get to watch TV, but um, HBO Max seems to be pretty good. You know, content is like, content's pretty saturated these days. So I get That's bored true. easily. I don't know about I mean, you. Be, what I've, well, it'd be great if there was a place where you could learn about history, science, space all terms of subjects all in one place and the place that has that is actually co-founded by our guest today his name is thomas lucas and he's a co-founder of magellan tv magellan tv is a great streaming service that has applications in terms of whether you like to learn about black holes or whether you want to learn about ancient history or things that have to do with today like they have a great documentary that's free this month for the month of January on their streaming service about the KKK. So we have a lot to get into today. I just want to say hi to my guest, Thomas. How's it going? Great. Thanks for the great introduction. Oh, well, well thank you. Here too. Try to How do our doing, best Thomas? here. Good. Good. Yeah, I was, I was looking at um, doing some research. You know, I like to see what type of people we're interviewing not interviewing, but just talking to. And we'll probably get into it later, but I want to know about this full dome operation. Oh, well. Well, first, before so we get into that, let me thing. introduce, oh, I'm sorry. Let okay. me introduce our guest formally. So Thomas Lucas is a co-founder of Magellan TV. He is a documentary filmmaker with over 50 major films to his credit, covering topics ranging from sharks to long distance space travel. Lucas specializes in productions that make use of special effects and high-end computer animations. His recent productions include the giant screen programs Birth of Planet Earth, Super Volcanoes, Solar Superstorms, and Black Holes, The Other Side of Infinity. That all sounds really fascinating. Among his numerous programs for television, Shark Superhighway, T-Rex Walks Again, and Monster Black Holes for Nat Geo, Monster of the Milky Way, Runaway Universe and Hunt for the Super Twister for Nova, and limited series such as Beyond Human, Voyage of the Milky Way, and Mysteries of Deep Space for PBS. Lucas Internet Science Productions have drawn over 200 million views. That's fantastic, Thomas. So to start, let's 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 talk about that dome thing. To yeah, start. let's talk about that dome thing. So basically, you know, this is a new another way to reach audiences. Uh, you talked about the internet and and also the network work that we've done. So at some point we pushed all of that aside, the network stuff and found ways to reach audiences ourselves. So uh, planetariums are 
these um, institutions that are all over the world. There are thousands of theaters, and the theaters tend to be these kind of curved dome screens. And uh, so they're very immersive. You feel like you're inside of whatever it is that uh, is being displayed. So, so we kind of got hooked on this. And with a group of partners, we started producing these shows. And, you know, once you get hooked on this, the kind of the, the exhilaration of this totally immersive environment, you can't stop. So audiences react in different ways than uh, they do on television. They, you know, they experience it more directly. One of my favorite scenes is being in a theater watching the audience watch our films. And they're often like pointing to, you know, they're sitting together pointing to parts of the screen that are very kind of separated and on the periphery of their vision. But they look around, they take it all in, and you can really impact their their view of things, of the world. You can really give them a visceral experience. And that's what that's really at the at the bottom of it is that we want to impact the way people think and feel about uh, the world around them. That's why me and uh, many other people try to produce documentaries. It's because we want to do that. We want to get in people's heads, into their emotions, give them another view of the world that maybe they don't they don't necessarily have. So the dome programs have encompassed. Um, Mostly, you know, space, not not mostly space, but I, I guess half space, you know, the, the the birth of planet Earth and how how that happened in the solar system when it was born, how life appeared on Earth going way, way back. But we've also done shows on the sun and, uh, you know, the kind of the, the engine within it and how it affects Earth. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, other things too. We, we did a show on long distance space flight. Wow. We have another show coming up on climate change. Okay. And in each case, we're giving people visceral experiences and we're, we're taking them to places that they haven't been. And we're trying to show it to them in new ways. It's almost like a like yeah, a so, like a spiritual experience in some way. It's it's that you 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 create the effect as much as you create the the content too. Yeah, um, so we're we're creating a new a world for them to be in right. for you know twenty minutes or thirty minutes, something like that, and then to, they take it with them in their minds. Right. But it's uh you know it's they don't you know they imagine themselves there it's their point of view their point of view how, how big is this is this dome i well, mean they, now they, it's like they can be corona 60 feet across sometimes sometimes bigger okay sometimes they're small too you know the, they come in all sizes because the the museum world has kind of latched onto them and you know the smallest would be you know maybe 20 feet because those are you know folded up put into the back of the truck and they're driven out to communities that don't have access to big city museums. So, so okay. uh, like a, a reservation in Arizona, somebody comes and shows that shows the kids in the school the, the stars and the universe. Mm-hmm. And, That's awesome. And uh, other places too, you know, rural, you know, middle schools or so forth. There are people who do this, you know, for a living. 
Right. <laughs> and then the big city, the very glitzy places. You know, there's one in New York, but, you know, all the big cities have them. Most of them do, you know, from Boston to Moscow, Mexico City. Those are the places where we try our hardest to get the get the shows into because the the audiences are bigger. Do you see it growing into like family homes? Like, you know, instead of a TV, maybe they'll just have this full dome experience inside their own. Uh, I don't know. You know, the uh, the way the the whole display industry is is moving, people more and more have big screen TVs in their house. And uh, that's one reason they don't go to the, the movie theaters quite so much. It's, you know, uh, you can buy any family can buy a nice, big, beautiful, full, full 4K television. You know, they don't cost very much. It's a couple hundred bucks now. Right. And uh, so their their sort of media needs are being met, I think, largely. But but there are new display technologies coming down the pike, you know, that are going to have brighter screens and, you know, maybe imagine being able to see a Broadway show, you know, in Utah or, you know, Kansas, uh, mm-hmm. you know, where the, the image is just so clear and bright and, and it's semi immersive. It's not the whole, the whole right. thing, but, uh, uh, pretty, uh, you know, pretty, you feel pretty much like you're there with great sound so forth. That's, that's another way things are going. So imagine, uh, theaters like that appearing in the home. I don't know about that, but uh, who knows? There's also VR. Right. Which right I was yeah. Some people are laughing Gates as well. Mm-hmm. So, well, that's kind of, that, that, that reminds me so much. So my background is kind of in studying ancient societies. I've, I've been doing it since college. And I just imagine the world that they had, there was the numinous, there was the awe. Right. And I when I look through the catalog that you have on Magellan TV, it, it's, it seems to be inspiring that same kind of energy that that you want people to. Hey, you know, we used to be able to you can go to Arizona and do this, but we used to be able to just look up at the sky and literally see the Milky Way and just be kind of in awe of it and immersed. And I, 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 I can't help but relate the, the dome to that. Yes. Kind of. Oh, you, you have it. Exactly. That's the feeling that you get and that you want to, you know, you want to impart to people is a sense of, of awesomeness and overwhelming beauty of nature. And, you know, at the same time, you can take people for rides that have them gripping the edge of their seats, too, because, um, you know, they, they're just going with the flow of it. So you can, you can turn their perspective. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, they can, you can make people sick as well. Right. But, you know, there's impact too in, in you know, doing that, feeling like you're riding through, you know, these uh, surreal, awesome, extra real environments. It's fun. Which says so much to like, to like the science of our eyes and brain. And, you know, we might not be physically turning, but just because we, we perceive it that way. Yes. It makes us feel it that way. Right. We cue into the uh, to the environment and how it's behaving. Yeah. yeah. Justin, you got uh, any way you want to roll into the next question? Well, well, I, d- I did have this is so when, whenever you have a, a great mind like Thomas's who 
clearly has a grasp of so many different topics. I think the place where I, I always want to start with someone like that is just what what got you into this? What where, where did you how did you find your kind of way into the rabbit hole? And and what what made it so that you had this insatiable desire to present? I mean, boldly present this information because I think what maybe the past four years has taught us is that there is a kind of reticence to new information and being challenged. And so, you know, just where does that come from in you? Yeah, well, you know, uh, the um, it's a sense that it's something maybe you grow up with and maybe you learn more and more along the way. But I think that, Justin, you have it too. And it's a, it's a sense that history matters, knowledge matters, perspective matters. And so the one of the greatest things you can do is supply people with those things. And, you know, some people won't take it, you know, they'll, they'll see it from their, you know, ingrained point of view. But many others, more of them will incorporate it and, and learn from it. So that's the challenge of making documentaries. It always has been to you know, get inside people's heads and inside their hearts. And there's a, from my point of view, there, for what I do, there's also an element of journalism. So it's the, it's the idea that you're presenting the world as it is and beckoning people to, to examine it and rethink it if they need to. So it's dispelling rumors. It's, um, it's setting the record straight. Hmm. It's being fair to, you know, what, what the truth is. I like how you said that setting the record straight. Definitely. Definitely. I think, I think so many. And so that, that's, that's, that's actually the, uh, the, the guiding impulse of Magellan TV. You know, we are documentary makers. So we bring that ethic which is to, you know, the, the belief that documentaries can deepen your understanding of the world around you. And the best documentaries, which we strive to present, do that even better. You know, they, they challenge you. They deliver insight. They inspire critical thinking. So we, we feel that, you know, once again, we can make an impact on people, the way they see things by presenting great content. What documentary are you going to put in production next? Well, we, we acquire documentaries for the most part from filmmakers and, and content owners around the world. So we, we go out and we look and we, we talk to people. You know, we, we search for, for the best. And, um, you know, the kind of the guiding principle is that, you know, we're, we're looking, we look for documentaries that present the, you know, that are based on the authentic views and research of scientists and historians, and, and also are within the best traditions of documentary filmmaking. And uh, so those are, those incorporate, you know, the, the highest journalistic values, great research, you know, critical thought, great storytelling. And uh, so that's, that's one thing that we saw in this production of the KKK. You know, it's a, it's a top flight filmmaker whose other work in historical filmmaking, you know, has proven to be top end. So, 
So we saw we saw this as a really well researched, really well put together example of historical filmmaking and storytelling. So we we also thought that this was a uh, an historical topic. We would have gotten it anyway, but we especially saw that it was proving to be increasingly timely. Very, yeah, very. definitely increasingly. <laughs> um, I think I think the the whenever I, I think there's something on a controversial topic, and maybe you can speak to maybe if you guys considered this. I have some friends who I'd say are on the on the liberal side who say we shouldn't be doing documentaries like this, right? Because what that does is it does more to give agency to people being exposed to those kind of beliefs and saying, oh, maybe that's that I agree with that in a way. Can you speak to kind of the importance of showcasing all sides of issues and kind of in this documentary, was there a kind of fearlessness that needed to be there to say, you know what, I think the, there's definitely more pros to educating people on this than, than whatever potential negatives someone might come up with? Yeah. So, you know, uh, telling the truth, that's the, the DNA of documentary filmmaking. So there's no going back on that. So you can always find examples of people who are going to take things not in the way you intended, but they'll see it from some, some skewed point of view. So we don't think that it's worth considering that, nor do we think that this this idea of um, telling both sides really involves entertaining that point of view. Okay. So this is a, in some ways, an expose. This film on the uh, the the historic movement that the uh, KKK represents, and so what we want to do is be fair to history and to the the discipline of history, mm-hmm. and so it's to it's to present and interpret through the lens of legitimate historical research and storytelling. So people can take these shows however they want. They can discount them, boycott it, whatever, but uh, there are going to be, we think, more people who will take an honest view of it. And, you know, frankly, this film is a hard film to watch. You know, because it it is honest, it's truthful and uh, explicit. Mm-hmm. It doesn't shy away from the images and the words that uh, mm. that animated this hateful phenomenon. Right. As it shouldn't, in my opinion. I mean, both Terrell and I are African American, and I think we would both agree that I, I read Diary of a of a Slave Girl. I, I've, I've read Frederick Douglass. The reason why they are so effective. The reason why Frederick Douglass was invited to the White House back in post-Civil War America is because he was so authentic and because he was so honest and he didn't mince words. And I think your documentary doing that is is a boon for, for the audience, obviously, because you, you, you can continue to whitewash. And I think there is a section of the population that says, let's kind of politely address history. But then there's also a section that I think you occupy that says you have to take the gloves off. Yeah. The objective truth is always going to stand, right? Like, you know, you have the subjectivity of it and that could be for the viewer itself on how it made them feel, but it's totally opposite of what the exact intention of the film is. 
um, which, you know, as a filmmaker or as any type of creator, you can't be, you can't be worried about it. People are going to have their opinions. Yeah. And, and there are people who will do what you're saying, which is to, uh, to say, okay, KKK, that's, you know, that's really a thing of the past. And in fact, um, they're sort of right in a way. There are only, you know, something like 5,000 members, active members today in, in the U.S. versus, say, in the 20s, there were 4 million active wow. members. A lot of them in Ohio, <laughs> which was surprising. Oh, yeah. All over. Yeah. The yeah. Just a southern uh, southern phenomenon. Yeah. Yeah. That, when I when I was in college, there was a KKK uh, meeting house right by campus. Oh. Um, about maybe 15 minutes away. My dad and I went to the same college. So when he was there in the seventies, it was active. So it, it, it speaks a lot about legacy, right? The, the legacy of analyzing your enemy and a- analyzing basically the enemy of democracy, which is what the KKK essentially is, is, is it's an enemy of the democratic processes of the United States and people's freedoms and liberties. And, but my question to you is uh, what, what made you, Given your other content, what made you definitely want to do this and, and drop this right around Black History Month? And well, and- uh, the fact is that um, the film only became available to us in December. Okay, so it was being worked on up until that time, and we, you know, we were part of the the funding of it, so we got it as soon as we could and put it up as soon as we could too, because we we just think it's um, no, I think it's great timing, it's impactful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and um, and you know we we don't really see it as part of Black History Month, which okay. is more celebratory. Mm. Um, you know, this um, we see it more in relation to you know the the turmoil in America and mm. you know this question about um, where the extreme right is going and what it's um, where did that come from. Uh, relates a little more to that. And uh, that's a story that's been unfolding in new ways over the last, you know, number of years. Um, I don't want to say four, but because it's been it's actually longer than that, but has really burst into the public sphere in the last uh, year, perhaps during the election. And uh, so we, we think that, um, you know, history matters, as I said, and it can tell you where we are, you know, how do we got, how do we get to where we are? And um, it can also supply real lessons for, you know, how to craft our future. And, you know, fortunately, uh, we have um, historians, great filmmakers like David, who can roll up their sleeves and uh, deliver this uh, sort of through strong storytelling and with a smart point of view. And um, this film takes us really kind of, almost up to the present. So with the connection of the KKK doc and presently where we are today, with the facts that you have and the knowledge that you have and even the experience that you have, where do you go? Where do we go now in life? Do you think, you know, a lot of politicians don't listen to historians or scientists. Do you think that's a, a huge problem with the disconnect and why we are in the state that we are? Well, I think you um, you start. My answer to that would be: look at the point of view of this film, and you know, here are a few lines from the beginning of the film that audiences will hear. It's a secret society of white supremacists that preaches hate of black people, and which has lasted for decades, 
always managing to reinvent itself. Mm. The story of the KKK is a tale of cruelty that still haunts America. The fields of hate are as fertile as ever. So those are just a few lines, but what this relates to is kind of the thesis of the film, uh, which is the, you know, going back to the, the Civil War where it begins, the Civil War reset, but it didn't settle a debate that has been had in American society that predates the Constitution, which is who are the true Americans? <laughs> what is the true America? Mm -hmm. And um, is it essentially white or is it multicultural, multi-ethnic? And that, that debate still unsettled, you know, Very true. animated the KKK, but also animates much of the, the kind of extreme white, white nationalism and extremism that you see today. And it's not hard to know this. You just look at the posters and hear what they say. Right. <laughs> right. It's yes, it's, it's been out there, you know, and either you wanted to see it, you know, it goes back to that, um, somebody who's viewing your documentary, they get the facts, but they don't like it. So they just, it's a cognitive dissonance. The same thing with reality. Well, but, but see, if you, if you don't agree with, um, you know, the, the, the premise that it's a multicultural nation, then, you know, it's not about facts. It's about worldview. If you think that it's a white nation, then the facts, you know, forget the facts. The facts are something else. Mm -hmm. So it's how you reinvent it or how you see the world. There's alternative facts, as some people yeah. say. <laughs> there's, those two. There's, there's those two. Yeah. But, you know, the, um, the, the propaganda that, you know, came out of the, you know, the, this show is so surprising in so many ways. Mm. Uh, if you're not familiar with the history, you know, the KKK was, it rose up in the, the wake of the Civil War. You know, a bunch of guys who were, um, you know, in, in a little town called Pulaski, Tennessee, who set up this little club, you know, mostly for drinking. But it kind of quickly became like prank playing on other people. And quickly after that, prank playing on black citizens who were newly freed and pranks became intimidation, murder, lynchings and so forth. And the movement spread. So it was it was pretty big in the South. End. it was about half a million members. It was squashed mostly by the federal government, but but it didn't die. You know, the sort of the membership aspect of it faded into the background. Uh, but the lynchings continued, the violence continued, and slavery gave way to segregation and uh, the Jim Crow era, which, um, as we know, lasted for about 100 years. But things changed in the 20th century with the onset of immigration uh, from Europe. So the KKK was reborn. It reinvented itself, but with a broader mission to uh, target Irish, Italians, Catholics, uh, you know, blacks as well. And so um, the, this, is the, this is the most surprising thing that I learned from this, which is that the, in the 20s, the KKK at its height was a membership organization with 4 million members. 
And uh, that's where it got this this name, the, the Invisible Empire, because it was well-organized nationally with, you know, as you said, Ohio, all over the country with, um, uh, you know, social activities, education, you know, member, like a modern membership organization, dues paying, outreach to politicians, and so on. But um, the there was a march on Washington in 1925, not to protest, but to champion the cause. Intimidate. Yeah, intimidate. It was all all about that, but also you know championing the cause of uh, the vision of um, an America of you know essentially white people. So the uh, American America for Americans. I think that was the. Uh, that was the phrase, which is not dissimilar from posters you see today. Right. Well, that makes sense on the foundation it was built on. It was uh, created by three drunk guys, it sounds like. A couple of drunk guys <laughs> <So>, in, <laughs> in Tennessee, but, but the, the idea resonated so strongly in Reconstruction, you know, pre-Reconstruction America, America, where, you know, this film beckons you to go back to that time and imagine what it was like, you know, the, the Civil War decimated Southern society. You know, there was, you know, suffering, loss of life, loss of honor and leadership and, and so on. And the ego was destroyed. Yeah. And, you know, imagine out of a population of nine million, something like that, four million were blacks and slaves. Mm. And then they were freed. So let loose on onto the society and how is the how is everyone going to to cope and uh where the slaves had been you know seen and actively promoted as you know subhuman not human, you know enshrined that way in the constitution as well so how was society to in the south to deal with this one way was through violence and intimidation, mostly aimed at voters, voters and would be, you know, civic leaders. Mm -hmm. Same tactics they use today. And it's, you know, those tactics haven't changed. It's the, it's kind of the same. Um, well, it's different. This, it's different. It, in what way do you think? Well, what do you see? Well, you know, it's, um, you know, when the federal troops came in after the Civil War to enforce the, the law, including the uh, you know, the, the 14th Amendment, 13th and 14th Amendments, you know, they clamped down and they protected people for, for voting. And then when they left, then it became an active campaign to punish and discourage, you know, civic involvement. And, uh, and then the, the segregation, the Jim Crow period, separated blacks from whites in in all all manners of uh, all aspects of society, right. so now now you don't you don't see that you don't see um, you know somebody goes to vote and they get lynched you know, right you exactly see much more subtle you know uh, voter suppression tactics or uh, gerrymandering yeah Jerry yeah it's another one and you know rhetoric from yeah. people like Trump who um, mm -hmm. you know who throw out code words and, and, you know, motivate the kind of the feelings of, 
Uh, you know, and, you know, here's one of my absolute favorite ta tactic, not tactic, but, you know, kind of approaches to this, which was right after the capital was invaded and, uh, you know, the, those people went in and targeted the, you know, the, you know, sought to, you know, in their own way to change the election and so forth. One of the immediate rumors that was flying around was that was Antifa. Right. <laughs> that did that. Right. <laughs> so I actually have a, um, a relative who posed that. And uh, so our reaction was to answer, well, okay, if it was Antifa, I'll accept that. But then we're going to nominate this guy for the Antifa Hall of Fame. Is that right? <laughs> you know? Right, right. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, that's funny. Yeah, so anyway, I mean, Antifa it, it, caused it, and um, right. you know, it was uh, it was a Black Lives Matter thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course. <laughs> that's so interesting. I mean, I think what 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 the KKK kind of transforms into is the dog whistler. The the hypocrite, the cognitive dissonance uh, manager for the most part in society where they can't look inward. Um, they can't say we are capable of doing great harm to our own democracy by storming the Capitol. They say, no, it must have been a Tifa. And this is perpetrated by a lot of pundits, too. But I think also the dog whistle, the 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 sense that the the coded words. And I think that's the that's the job of the documentarian. That's the job of this documentary is to kind of push that person on on their heels and say, you know, all that coded language is really you just not wanting to take the steps that your ancestors probably took. And maybe fear of punishment, fear of guilt, fear of retribution, or maybe because society is moved on a little bit. But I, I do feel like documentaries like this are very important to remind us that we can recognize coded language that was similar to coded language back then too. Back yeah, and it's also program. understanding the themes that, the theme. that run through American history. So, in particular, in this case, it's the it's this uh, this battle between you know over who who and what is the true America, right. and um, the dog whistles, the the coded language all play into that. So, but you have to understand what the the backdrop is to really kind of see what they're they're doing. I mean, you can have a sense that you know that you know what they're saying is a little weird, or you know, or can that be true that you know we're being, you know, that uh, brown people are flooding into the country and taking all of our jobs? Right. Uh, you know, who's who is that message aimed at, and what is it meant to convey? You know, and the KKK part of the 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 instructive history of this is that it evolved to not just be this anti-black organization that it was in the 1860s and 70s that it uh, it evolved beyond that to be anti-semitic uh, anti you know anti-immigrant and it's all within this theme of the true america america for americans um, you know, the, and, you know, the, the, the twenties, I think it really kind of set the stage for what we see today. Definitely. Uh, you know, that background. Definitely. What's, so do you think to pivot in a way towards science, do you think that 
this goes hand in hand with a lack of appreciation for science that you might see uh, growing um, in terms of rhetoric that people are, when you talk about climate change, right, that the more people say, okay, 99% of scientists agree that some kind of climate change is happening and it's man-made, man is contributing to it. The more people double down on that one tiny percent of people that say, okay, maybe it's not happening. Right. Well, the, you know, the, um, the right has taken the, um, the position that it's not, a, it's not about that 1%. It's about um, all of it is a hoax. And, uh, and so it, that plays into larger themes, too, in American history. And uh, I think, and so it, it, this, this goes back to the same period, the 20s. You know, evolution was kind of coming into the, you know, into the scientific community and was being adopted. And but the but in the in that period, it started to feel threatening to, you know, within this context of America for Americans, I think so, because it threatened kind of local, you know, local authority, religious authority more conservative views of society. So, so the battle was, was begun at that point. And I think, and has, has come and gone repeatedly through that period regarding evolution, biological evolution. But now you see it again in other areas like climate, for example, is uh, it's an anti-science view because I think that the scientific view to many of its opponents seems elitist, international, UN, globalist, globalism, bunch of things like that. So, so it's rejected pretty quickly. Mm. And, uh, you know, s- climate change is an area where, you know, to address it, we have to make changes in society. And changes have to be made to, you know, cut greenhouse gas emissions and, and so forth. So, so the the right has brought a number of issues together to uh, you know within under that you know you know and I think even the vaccination thing is part of that you know trusting scientists versus you know the other you know kind of elite um, opinion makers like you know ministers or religious leaders politicians. Right. Uh, who can exploit the, you know, the sort of discomfort that people have with, uh, with, you know, kind of remote leaders, like at the, you know, at the UN level, mm-hmm. uh, as, as um, enemies of their way of life and their view of the world. Those are the people that we, those are the people that we don't need in power. <laughs> Somehow have- always, always, always manage to find the way up to the top. They're good at that. <laughs> And they take the elitist method. I mean, this guy, um, Josh Harley from, I think, Missouri, he patterns himself as a uh, good old boy from the South, but he went to Stanford undergrad. He went to Yale for graduate school, and I'm pretty sure he went to Harvard Law. Uh, So you can't get more elitist than that, you know? It it would take a documentary filmmaker to kind of uncover those things. But Yeah. Well, I think the world knows that, knows. The the people who who, you know, kind of see things the way they are, they get, they get this from, 
you know, the, the normal news sources, what, who are, you know, now from the right, they're called the mainstream media, you know, as if that's a dirty word. Right. Right. You know, so the, and you know, the, um, the kind of latest, uh, one of the latest manifestations of, of what you're talking about also is QAnon. Uh, and who even heard of that? You know, right. really just a little while ago, but it's been, you know, it's maybe the closest thing that we got to something like an invisible empire, you know, mm -hmm. with adherents all over the world, uh, throughout America, you know, who, um, the pol some politicians play to like Holly, for example, I think is part of that. So QAnon, you know, kind of draws on some of the, the anti-Semitism of the, uh, the old, uh, KKK, you know, the, the definition of who's, who is a true American mm -hmm. and, uh, who, um, you know, who is working against it, you know, the, the Hollywood elites, for example, who are said to, you know, drink blood of <laughs> right. kidnapped children right. and so on. <laughs> Adachrome and all that. Adrena Adrenochrome. Yeah. Adrenochrome. So look, all this information, right? Your brain has to just be on zero sometimes. What recharges you? What music do you listen to? How do you start your day? Uh, the thing that recharges me is um, I get on the motorcycle and I ride north. Oh, okay. Into the country. So, you know, there it's a, uh, I have a, I have a BMW and it's a, uh, you know, it's pretty fast. And so it's, it's immersive, immersive cinema, like nothing else to me. So, you know, high resolution, <laughs> right? So that's what I, that's what I do. But, but, you know, um, I'm a news junkie and, uh, and a science junkie. So, you know, we're always working on productions and, uh, and Magellan TV is a kind of an all consuming passion because it's, uh, we're really last year was our, our first full year of operation. Congratulations. And um, it's growing steadily. And our hope is to turn it into a, um, you know, a global media entity that's well-established and constantly growing and reaching out, reaching new people. Uh, the fun of it is the programming and how we juxtapose programs with, with each other. Uh, how we, we, we ourselves search for themes in history, you know, that, um, people can latch on to playlists where, where they, they can find, find common themes within them and understand things, you know, better. So, you know, the, so, you know, the, um, I'm a, a resolution junkie. So I, I've always loved images that are big and beautiful and, you know, fully realized. Mm. And so this is one thing we can do with Magellan TV. We are not stuck with 4K, with uh, HD even. You know, we, we have gone aggressively into promoting 4K content because uh, it's just beautiful. Mm -hmm. And with people, people in their living rooms with their big screens, it's a, it's a, an enhanced experience. Uh, right. You know, for content. I know, I see so right that, now like guys... we have a show called King Tut Forgotten Treasure. So it's a, oh, it's a gorgeous... Egypt is my thing. Egypt is my thing. You said that before. Yeah. 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 So gorgeous, gorgeous show. 
and you know it takes you into the the world of the you know the ancient pharaohs mm. and especially this guy this kid king tut and uh, do you know do you know anything about his father uh, no. so i'll tell a little bit about it um akhenaten was his father and when i was in middle school we my, my school was pretty up to date in history books and they talked about the birth of monotheism and monotheistic thought. And at that time, I had grown up in the church, so I thought it came from, obviously, from Abraham and then Moses. But um, Akhenaten is the first documented person to change the religion of a nation to focus on Atan, the sun. So this disc, which is supposed to be the all-encompassing God. And... His father, this person was so hated upon his death that they called him the forgotten one. And they destroyed all his relics, all his statues. You can't find his tomb anywhere. Um, there's, there's writings that say they destroyed that too. Basically, they cursed him with the greatest curses of all time in Egypt because he had this, this newfangled idea of, uh, of monotheism, King Tut's uh, father. And King Tut had pressure to revert back to the old religion. Mm. So in many ways, he's adorned. And the reason why his um, sarcophagus and his um, burial where he's buried is so adorned is because he returned Egypt back to worshiping, you know, Osiris and Isis and Ra and, and, and gods like that. So I, I, I don't know if you cover that, but uh, it's just it's a fascinating story and contributes to the Moses story and in so many ways. And it's just fascinating. Yeah. So, you know, even, even then, you know, pharaohs were responsible in some way to the people. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the the, the system, the, the pharaonic system, was a little bit different than we we think about kings. Pharaohs were kind of seen as priests too, as right. spiritual leaders of the population. So there was more of kind of a a mystical connection with the people as well. And and the first pharaoh in myth is Osiris, and Osiris is kind of the model of the benevolent ruler who teaches people how to do music and writing and cooking. So that's kind of every pharaoh after that sees it's his duty, or her, there was a female pharaoh, Mm -hmm. uh, to kind of be that kind of Osiris. It's a little different than you see in maybe some European or even uh, East Asian kings, where it's it's more about like... um, individualism, avarice, uh, all those things you associate with monarchy. Right. But I digress. I'm sorry. I'm a history buff. I can't do that. <laughs> cool. <laughs> but uh, I just wanted to ask, as we as we start to wrap up, do you have anything coming down the pipeline? I know we were talking a little bit about black holes before we started recording. Uh, is there anything that you'd want to talk about that that's coming up? Yeah, let's see. It's a lot of stuff he has to choose from. Just giving. Yeah, Thomas is Thomas is uh, he's buffering, <laughs> buffering right now. <laughs> yeah, there's so many things uh, because there's so much content that's coming onto this platform, mm-hmm. uh, and it keeps and you know it keeps getting better and better. Uh, I would say you know folks should uh, we we are going to have a a list of um, Black History Month content. You know, we we tend to feature programs, you know, like a, ha- a handful of them that kind of fit fit into a theme. So we will have a, a handful of them. One of the one of my favorites is um, 
Uh, it's called Jay Hawkers, and it's about okay. uh, you know Will Chamberlain at the University of Kansas. Okay, uh, great story, and um, you know we have a Valentine's selection as well. You know, which is a little bit on the body side, but but um, the thing that the thing I'm thinking about now is this King Tut show that uh, okay. you just talked about, and it's uh, I encourage you to watch it. That'll be free too. Okay. Uh, Magellan TV is a subscription service. So, so generally when you come into it, you have to, uh, subscribe, you have to sign up for a free trial and then, mm -hmm. and then, you know, your subscription starts after seven days or 14 days. So we, um, we can offer your viewers like a month if they want, they can sign oh. up for free for a month and then in anticipation of, um, a subscription. Uh, but um, I think they would appreciate that. <laughs> but you know, we we often give you know uh, shows that we just want to highlight. We offer them for free because what we find is that when people come into the platform and they look around, they may they come in maybe to watch the KKK show or King Tut, but then they see what's there, and uh, yeah. there are thousands of shows there, and the. The posters are really beautiful. Uh, the presentation of them is is great, and um, you know sometimes it's hard to choose. But um, there are, you know, so this week, this currently we're featuring a show called Unnatural Selection. So it's kind of a reassessment of Darwinism mm. and how it's being updated. Another one is a show I did called Faster Than Light. You know the the dream of interstellar spaceflight. Oh wow! Okay, uh, that's pretty cool. That's very glitzy. Wow. Uh, Voyage of the Continents, which is about uh, the tectonic the, shift. Pay, yeah, plate tectonics. Yeah, through okay. history, it's like ten parts. Another one is Warrior's Way. So it's the the weapons, strategies, and motivations of ancient warriors. Oh, very high end show. Very action packed, and uh, you know. Um, feature. I'm, I'm legitimately board. geeking out right now. I mean, yeah, this yeah. is very exciting. <laughs> and one thing geek out even more about the price. It's only four ninety nine a month. Well, if you if you subscribe for a year, it's a year subscription. Then it's four ninety nine okay. per month. You know, as a averaged out. And we oh, like wow. to push people toward those. You know, the yearly subscription because it's easier for everyone. Yeah. What's that like? A five dollar foot long? Maybe you know, mm -hmm. like. Maybe you just maybe you have a salad instead of a five dollar foot long and yeah that's right there just, just don't get the salad from McDonald's because then you'll be spending <laughs> <laughs> yeah and um, here's another one that we um, featured for Martin Luther King Day which was uh, which a lot of people watched it's so, and it's such a great show it's called A Ripple of Hope and uh, it's about a, a moment in time in which um, Martin Luther King was assassinated. And so there was extreme turmoil in Indianapolis, you know, throughout the country, but it focuses on Indianapolis. And um, Robert F. Kennedy was there and um, he responded to the moment with a speech that's considered one of the, uh, the greatest in American history. Wow. So where he drew people together. Check that out. I do want to say mm -hmm. something that I do want to see from documentaries more is Native American culture. 
Yeah. I, I, I get glimpses of it here and there on YouTube. Maybe I'm not looking in the right places. Yeah, I hear but you. like Native American culture before yeah. pilgrims, before the settlements mm. of European uh, like, colonies will be very interesting. Yeah, I hear you. America, yeah. I hear you on that. And I've, I've, um, I've done some work myself on that. And uh, it's, um, it, you know, it's incredibly interesting uh, mm. how people lived um what their concerns were what the uh you know what how how the climate was affecting them uh right you know the kind of the big the big uh events in in uh, early early american history yeah cuz i get the books of like the the wars the comanche wars yeah the uh, iroquois wars but as you were saying the early migrations well the spirit the spirituality and how and uh you know, one of the uh, the most uh, interesting things I've ever done was uh, climbing onto a um, a very uh, isolated mesa in uh, Arizona on the Navajo reservation with an archaeologist, and uh, and so what he showed us was um, you know this place very inaccessible, and yet this is where this group built their their settlement, their, their houses mm. and, uh, where they stayed, where they lived. And, but it was because there was such turmoil, uh, that they had to, they had to do this for protection because of the, uh, you know, the, the, the big trends where the, the, the whole South Southwest was in an upheaval because of, uh, you know, uh, drought primarily. Mm-hmm. That that was like their biggest. That was their biggest enemy at that time was Mother Nature, and yeah, they, which, which influenced how people acted. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, tribal tribal rivalries and and so forth, and you know the rise of one civilization, and you know the their attempts to uh, to rule others and to uh, you know take resources and so forth. Right. So, well, Tex, Tex, you are a filmmaker, so you know maybe you guys talk after the show. Who knows? <laughs> Listen, we, I, I know the man now and the man knows me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think you guys are doing a great job. So. Thank, Thank you, you so much. As well. right. Where can we find those documentaries before yeah. we go? The the Native American. Uh, yeah, well, we, I hear you. I hear you on this. Um, you know, again, what we try to do is get the best we can get. And, um, you know, and so this is an area that's not covered well. Right. Mm. Well. So, well, thank I you think for your time, Mr. Lucas. Yeah. Okay. Thank, thank you so much. And I think just as one final note, I think we've covered a lot today. And I think to digest everything, obviously check out Magellan TV, but also Google Thomas Lucas. He has an interesting story. And also try to think for yourself, just when there's so much information out there, it's okay if you feel overwhelmed. It's okay if it it doesn't hit you quite as hard as it should. Things take time. And a lot of times it's upon the content to really reach you as much as it is for you to reach for the content. So I'm grateful for your audience ship today. Thank you for listening. Tex, Thomas, you got any last words for the audience? I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, Tex? but I will add a little bit to what you just said, just a little bit. Okay. Uh, which is when you're overwhelmed, look inside yourself. See, Can't beat that. See where, what, where your life is, what's motivating you. Definitely. Understand what's important. 
Definitely. I agree with that. Tax, any last words? I concur. You know my last words. Peace and love, Trent. All right. So this has been The Trend with Justin A. Williams, and we are happy to have you. Please subscribe, follow, comment, and share wherever you can. Okay. We will see you next time.